Good evening, Patriots. And it is still Friday. And it's a good thing. March 11th in the year 2022. And the world didn't get any dumber, but it did get crazier in the last hour, I think, just because it does that. It's amazing. We have a thing from George Soros that came up earlier that now he's accusing President Trump she are stating that President Trump, President Putin, and President Xi must all be stopped. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what that's provoking. We're going to dig into how all that kind of shapes up in a world where we don't follow leaders, but instead we follow Christ. Before we begin tonight, mypillow.com forward slash Bards. It's Bards Nation's home landing page. You can get unbelievable savings on great products for the home. And knowing that every one of your dollars in, a way, in one way or another goes for the fight of liberty when we're dealing with MyPillow and America's great CEO, Mike Lindell. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, B-A-R-D-S. Use that promo code anywhere on the MyPillow site, the MyStore site, and the FrankSpeech.com site. And get amazing savings on all those places, including things like 60% off on Giza sheets, 50% off on my slippers, 50% off on his and her sleepwear. My pillow traditional classic pillows as low as nineteen ninety eight. They even have a new pillow with Giza cotton. So check that out as well. Many many products, mattresses. In fact, I'm going to be ordering a mattress soon. So mattresses and mattress toppers, just about everything you need for the bedroom and the home. So head on over to mypillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards B A R D S. And this time right now, when you use your promo code, you're going to copy of Mike's book and his story of how he went from addict to CEO, one of the greatest CEOs of our time. And giveaway on that, this lead character, Christ Jesus, which is awesome. So anyway, mypillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards for amazing savings. Also, thefoundersbible.com, thefoundersbible.com. Use your promo code there for Bards for twenty percent off. That's B A R D S. Use that in the coupon section and get amazing, get a great savings on that for what I consider to be the Bible for our time, an NASB nineteen ninety five edition, with our founding fathers' documents worked within. It's an heirloom quality Bible, printed in the United States. So again, thefoundersbible.com, dot com, promo code Bards B A R D S for twenty percent off. Well, Patriots, there's a piece here I want to play for you that is really kind of gets in the context of some of the, what we have ahead of us. And these are, these are kind of, kind of some heavy things to consider. So here we go. This is the CDC's own data um, that they aggregate into um, all ages. Uh, the bottom line is my uh, insurance industry expert, former sell side Wall Street analyst, went into the CDC data. We were looking for other things, but what we found was pretty shocking. He took the data and it, it took some time and effort. He did a lot of work. He broke it down by age and he created baselines for each age group to come up with excess mortality. And the money chart is really chart four, which shows that the millennial age group, 25 to 44, experienced an 84% increase in excess mortality into the fall. It's the um, worst ever excess mortality, I think, in the history. Um, just to give you an idea, when you look at chart four, you see when mandates and boosters hit the acceleration into the fall 
and then um, it reaccelerated into uh, the end of the year. The drop-off in that data you see there is reporting issues. It takes time for millennial age uh, deaths to be reported because they're usually not hospital deaths. So um, that data is going to be updated and probably shows a continued uh, disturbing trend. So just to put some numbers on this, um, in the fall, uh, starting in the summer into the fall with the mandates and the boosters, um, there were 61,000 excess millennial deaths. Basically, millennials experienced a Vietnam War in, in the second half of 2021, okay? 58,000 people died in the Vietnam War, uh, U.S. Uh, troops. So this generation just experienced a Vietnam War. And I think this is the smoking gun that the vaccines are causing excess mortality in all age groups. And uh, it's no coincidence that uh, Michelle Walensky refuses to answer Senator Ron Johnson's letters. They're hiding. Fauci's gone. She's gone. They're hiding. So I'm going to put a, a word out there. Uh, and it's, it's a word that's old, but it needs to be reintroduced in the conversation. This is what we call democide, death by government. So the government, through the mandates, has killed people. That was Edward Dowd, who was a former analyst for BlackRock. That was on War Room earlier with uh, Steve Bannon. This is the sort of tragedy that we're going to be confronted with now. And you'll notice what he said. It was age 25 to 44. That in one short period, which is just a quarter of a year, that the millennials suffered the equivalent of a Vietnam War, actually in excess, because he said about 65,000 deaths. This wave is just beginning. And the data, like the recording, there's some things that aren't recorded. What they are getting recorded, this is a wave, and it's going to continue. And it's tragic. The millennial group is probably one of the most vulnerable outside of the elderly because they have grown up compliant to a digital world, accepting truth based on what they see. They don't question. That's If you follow millennial and Generation Z, it's one of the reasons I talk a lot about Gen Z because Gen Z has looked forward and seen how the millennials have become, and they've worked hard to not being as compliant. Those early indicators in Gen Z were people leaving high school in this propaganda world and in the indoctrination camps, and yet 19 to 20%, and this is before President Trump, 19 to 20% of the Gen Z that were leaving school were actually pro-American and conservative. And that was happening to a large degree because they were watching the millennials willfully serve their masters of tech and everything else. So we're looking at a pretty devastating block of deaths in a category that shouldn't have that rise at all. And again, this is just the beginning of this. I, I want to bring in scripture here, which I think is very important. I read this in the last hour in the Q&A, but uh, it was really targeting it for tonight's show. And I just want you to, these are, this is Christ's words. This is red letter language. This is Matthew 24, 10 to 12. And at the time, and at that time, many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will rise up and mislead many people, and because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. 
it's Matthew 24, 12 that just knocks this one home to me. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. Every one of us, to one degree or another, has been affected in these times in that framework of those words. And this is something we're going to have to work very hard at overcoming. Because this world has become very callous. It's become very brutal. And it's this whole distrust that they've woven into everything. They, meaning those in power. And we have seen that we've seen that distrust layer down. It's political. It's educational. It's legal. Even in our military wing. And of course in our churches. There is a prevalent level of distrust and rightfully so with all these institutions that have become hand puppets for a common narrative many of them paid off to speak that narrative which is straight up a judas trick which is just what will you do for 30 pieces of silver and this is what we're suffering through and we're going to see a lot of this suffering go forward i've said this many times and It's important that in the process here, we keep our vector on who we are really following. I mentioned at the beginning of the show, George Soros mentioning Xi, Putin, and Trump. And I saw a comment tonight. Somebody's like, that's all I needed. It proves that these guys are fighting the cabal and and they're on the victory path and they're going to win. I would caution you on jumping that far into the conclusion. I have no doubt that there is a war going on to wipe out a very nasty and vicious global cabal, which I have referred to before as the Illuminati. And I have no doubt that war is active, and I have no doubt that part of what Putin is doing in Ukraine is part of that. But war is war. Either way, you cut it and people die. And we, there's no way I'm going to be rallying around the greatness of war when you know that innocent victims are dying. And I'll tell you, when you see a child that's been burned head to toe, or you see the sufferings of of families broken because the father's been killed in some sort of conflict or war, whatever you're looking at, the, the impoverishment that happens morally and ethically in a culture after war, there, there's no celebrating or, or callousing over the idea that war is... You know, as I've heard many times on the Q group, well, people must die in war. I'm like, to be blunt, like, F you. That's not something we celebrate or stand around. I'm sorry. This is real. And in Ukraine, there are people that are, it's not all propaganda. There are people that are going to pay some costs there. I don't, I those costs I can accept in the sense that we know that there's a coring out of a neo-Nazi element that we put in place. Let's be clear about that. Biolabs that we put in place. But there's always going to be victims in war. So I just don't want to lose perspective on all of this because I think it goes back to, and because of lawlessness, because lawlessness is increased, as Christ said, most people's love will become cold. We can't let our love become cold any more than we can let our reason fault aside because simply we're so excited to see some form of justice. I want to point this out because this back to this comment from Soros. 
and then we're going to come back to this little video I did, but this comment of Soros is pointing to the fact that, you know, here he is, and this is indicating some sort of validation that there's three great rulers in the world that are fighting the deep state and it's going to free humanity. I want you to remember something. She and Putin, regardless of where they sit in the spectrum of good or bad, both of them are now presidents for life. That cracks me up. You're not a president for life. You're a dictator. That's something. And that's anointing yourself. And while the people may think that that's okay, it's an ironic thing. It speaks deeply to the, to the moral bankruptcy of our world that people are looking for leaders to be ahead of them for life. Essentially looking for a king. That's not Christ. And in the sense of false prophets, just as Christ had warned us, we are starting to see that. And they, they take that. He's taking, they're taking those positions, they're assuming roles of kings. There was a time, and not very long ago, that I think President Trump could have stepped into that president for life. We've heard it. And I would hope that doesn't happen because that's not a healthy thing for a culture. We don't need that. We need his reason. I want to go back to this video I played and it's important to look at some of the comments. This is, again, that was Edward Dowd, former BlackRock portfolio manager who just did that analysis on the COVID deaths. But, but listen, listen to some of this. this. The hesitation of this one comment. I'm not inclined. This is a comment underneath his, his video. This is on Twitter, by the way, which I always have to remind myself, Twitter's still around. <laughs> It's still there. I'm not inclined to disagree, but just not go off half cocked because I know we get good and we get wonky information. Does this information suggest from vaccine and not COVID related? How was this separated? This is what we call denial. Remember the five stages of grief. And I'm going to come back to that a lot. And, and I would hope that people will keep that before them because I think it's a way that we maintain I think it's a tool for us to maintain our humanity and our compassion and most importantly, our will to love. We are dealing in a, in a framework of people going to have to deal with loss. And that's the loss of the structure and the belief framework that they've grown up in. So with that, the first step of that is always denial. And denial is a big one. And because it's you to accept means you you were wrong. And that's accountability. And depending on the magnitude of it, it can be really bad. And the injection is really bad because it's the acceptance that you were not only lied to, but you accepted the lie. And you willfully put something in your body that didn't just go in your body, it was a genetic therapy, a gene therapy that has modified your genetics permanently. And we have no knowledge, at least at this point of how to correct that. And that leads to round two, which is anger. And that's starting to surface. You're seeing people that have, since the Pfizer release, you're seeing people with anger popping up. 
and from anger, then you have denial and you have anger. And then you have basically negotiation. <laughs> you want to you want to find a way out of it. And that's the that's that piece where you're trying to rationalize your way out of it. It isn't so bad. You're looking for the compromise, the the negotiated solution out. And once that doesn't work, because that's that piece where it's like, well, you know, I didn't really mean to do that. It really wasn't my fault. It was somebody else's. When you get through with that, then you get into depression. And then from depression, ultimately, if they get through all of that, there comes acceptance. And acceptance is a big growth step. But you're going to see a lot of that as we go forward. And I, I think it's important for us to realize that a lot of the reactions we're going to see, especially in the initial part, once you get through denial, it's going to be angry. And those angers, those moments are going to be directed, denial and anger are going to be directed at us if we're engaging with somebody. So we have to have some temperance and some grace with that. And that's where literally, and I, I do mean exactly what I'm going to say, having that intimate conversation with Christ and being able to have Jesus be there with you and ask for him to be there with you is a really important place. Because that can change events and moments. So we are into some difficult times. I'm going to relate a story I've related before. It's very personal. But I just want to get to the kind of the core of loss. Because I think we can all agree that this callousness which is really because of the lawlessness is increased, most people's love will become cold. Matthew 24, 12. I, that phrase is powerful, and we really look around to those. I think many people don't want to confront the, the, the magnitude of loss, and so they rationalize them away out of loss by saying things like, well, in war, people die. Like, Whatever. Got it. It's not true. I mean, it's true, but it's not, it's not something we brush off lightly. In 2006, in June of 2006, I was out at a firebase called Carney. And that was my first real major launch into a war zone. And I was, in this little firebase was big enough to park maybe 10 Humvees side by side. And there was 30 Afghans and there were two Americans you know, embedded trainers and myself. So a total of three Americans and 30 Afghans. And we were kind of dropped in there. 10th Mountain had been in there before us, and then 10th Mountain pulled out, and we were just kind of handed the keys, like, here you go, good luck, see ya. And we had we didn't have all the right supplies we needed. It was a very remote outpost. This is what actually is called a combat outpost or a cop. And one direction was only about two and a half hours from resupply. The problem is that it was completely mined with IEDs. So that turned out to be more like about an eight to 10 hour drive. And it was too dangerous. So actually when we came into this firebase, it took us almost two days because we had to drive up to another firebase and then come back down to it. And in doing that circumvention, it, it was that firebase was about six hours drive through steep canyons. 
to get to there. There had been three Taliban factions that had moved into the area, and they had had Chechnyan trainers with them. They were very good. And over the course of a week, every night we were getting into some pretty intense firefights. And there was not a lot of air support. This is Afghanistan in 2006. It's hard to really paint this picture, but most of the resources that were for U.S. forces was, were being they were being sent to Afghanistan were being diverted to Iraq, and then Iraq was raging anyway. So there was a lot of under resourcing, and we happened to be out in a very critical, but very a very critical area. In fact, in 2010, it was a very critical piece when the Navy SEALs went back in there. But this was. Nonetheless, this was where we were, and we were being attacked every night. And so we went through this week, and it was a difficult week, and there were a lot of very difficult things that happened in that week, and we ended up coming out of it okay at the last minute after we thought that we were going to literally be overrun. We had it, we had everything mapped out to how to, we call exfil, how to escape we expected to be overrun. We had bunkered down. We knew that the Afghans were going to run. We had it all. We were going to fight to the last second. And so this was where we were. And at the last minute, we had a convoy arrive, which is another long story, but I don't want to get into all that tonight. My point of this is that there were two guys there with me. One was Captain Tony Lonsdale, and the other was Sergeant Staff Sergeant Eric Blake two of the best soldiers I've worked with. And they were both from the Washington National Guard. Both had been regular army and then went into the National Guard. Eric had been a ranger. Very talented, spoke multiple languages, just a very talented NCO. In fact, um, had been, and this is part of the story, is then in 2012, 2000, yeah, 2012 was nominated as the best NCO in the state of Washington. Eric was this type of guy that in the middle of a desert pit hole, every morning he'd walk out, his uniform always looked pressed. His T-shirts always looked pressed. He was professional. He was one of the best trainers I'd ever come across, very creative. And he had taught himself Pashtun to a large degree so he could speak. So we got... We kind of went our ways. I kept in touch. We were very close. There's things like that. When you go through a week like that, you get pretty close with each other. And I just hadn't seen, I saw them when I got back in, I think, 2006 or 2007, we got together. But then fast forward, it was 2012, and I, 2011, 2012, in the beginning of 2012, I started to put the film together. And uh, what's been released in my film is the first part. This is the second part that I hope to get out by the end of this year. But anyway, I con- I contacted Eric, and I was going to go have him come down to Portland. He was up in Washington. I was going to have him come down, and we had a great conversation. We hadn't talked for a couple of years, and we, we had really, it was just like reconnecting with family. And so... He was scheduled to come down the following week. I was going to link up with him, and we were going to do an interview, and we were going to tell the story. And I remember he had insisted, like, you need to tell your story in this, and that really wasn't the nature of the story because it was about them. So I was at my office in downtown Portland, 
not too far from the train station right now where Antifa seems to have taken house. But anyway, and I had spent the night at the office working late on Saturday night, and I worked all through the morning until late, and I just slept there at the office that night. And so on the morning, on Sunday morning, about 6 a.m., my phone rang, and I was, I reached down and picked up the phone, and I saw it was Tony. And the first thing that went through my mind, there's only two reasons he would call me on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. Either something happened to his son or something happened to Eric. And when I picked up the phone, Tony was in tears. And um, what um, he was going to, what he had to tell me next was hard. Eric had taken his life the night before. He had... Um, had a disagreement with his wife, and he went downstairs and went into the bathroom, and he put a bullet through his head. I don't think in my life I have ever experienced a pain so deep. And it's not like a normal pain. Uh, Suicides are of a magnitude I can't even express to you. And suicide with somebody of Eric's caliber is hard to express in words. He was one of the finest NCOs I have ever worked with and ever known. I say this because we really get wrapped up in the craziness of the cabal, and they are, and they're evil, and there are many that only deserve one thing, and that's a one-way ticket to the lake of fire. But we can never lose our humanity and the importance of remembering who we are. There's a lot of challenges ahead for all of us. And you've heard me speak this week a lot. And it's been really, God's really put on my heart this week to really start looking at this from a different set of optics. And my kind of motion he's moving me in has been to go to a direction where we're talking about fellowship and loving thy neighbor more than the divisiveness of the divide that we have between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. These numbers tonight is really what brought it up because what Edward Dowd showed is that there is a class of people, 25 to 45, that have been willfully compliant to a system, a system that lured them in, a system that has ultimately affected their their ability to have cognitive reason and question. And while we, I can I can wax poetic about the needs to have God first and and not accept fear, I don't know that fear even crossed. I won't say fear did or didn't affect people, but compliance was part of their life. This is a system, a death by government, to use his term that was engineered to have them commit suicide. And that's the part that I I wanted to bring this story in tonight. Because these are people that would never have chosen that had they known. And yet that's exactly what they have done. And it doesn't, it only makes me desire to, 
make sure that justice is brought more than ever. But I say these words tonight just to remind us all of the importance of maintaining our love and not letting our love grow cold with one another. There's a lot of people that have been hostile towards accepting truth, and they will continue to be. And that's going to be difficult as they are literally forced to swallow down a fire hose of truth that shows that they've made decisions that have literally changed their life and likely will shorten their life. I I really can't imagine that sudden realization that's going to be happening to many people. But we have to be empathetic towards that. And this is where we fall back in our relationship with Christ and with Father. I'm, I think by now everybody that's listened to me is pretty clear that I'm not a big fan of the way God is taught and the way we're related to Christ from the pulpit and the pew. I don't, I think we need and have the ability, all of us, to have a very intimate relationship with Jesus and a very intimate relationship with Father. And I think it's very important that we seek that. Because in these times that we're going to witness loss or we're going to be there with others in these moments of suffering that are going to increase, they don't need a proselytizer. They don't need a Bible thumper. They don't need to be judged by virtue of the word of God. That's not our job. They need someone who can literally sit with them and just ask for Jesus to be there and know that Jesus is. And they need to have somebody that can reach to Father and say, Father, just help us heal this and know that you're there. If you have a scripture so you want to quote, that's good, but some people don't even have a relationship to understand what you're saying. And I'm not saying that's good. I'm not not condemning that or judging that. I'm just saying we need to be there to help people through in whatever capacity. And that means we need to listen and we have to have empathy for who they are and realize that this pain is going to increase for many. We're in a very tragic sense of humanity right now that was hunted, pursued, ensnared, and is being slowly killed by people that I don't, in my very creative way, and I have a very dark creative side, I can't even come up with a justice that's appropriate for this type of evil. Father's got something. And it's even harder to know that I believe that God would, and this is the part I think we all struggle with, is that there is a measure within God's way that in the way he sees things that there is a forgiveness that would be even hard for us to swallow. And so I bring that up because it's easy to fall into the trap of the lawlessness and the loss of love again. We have to keep in mind that we are not Father. We are not God. And I don't and I don't mean that in to suggest that people are trying to be. I, I take it from the perspective that we do often want justice and we want it our way by our hand. 
There needs to be justice, and there will be, but we can't let that be the thing that consumes us and draws us into the pit of unforgiveness, anger, and bitterness. The loss of Eric was an eye-opener for me on a real sudden, brutal, and difficult-to-process type death. I saw some ugliness around it at his funeral in attempts to point fingers and blame. What I had the greatest pleasure of doing was sitting with his family and being able to share stories of Eric that they had never heard. Because Eric was very private, and he didn't share a lot about Afghanistan, but he did with a couple of us. And that was a really beautiful thing to a witness because it was closure and healing. We didn't talk about God. We didn't talk about faith. We just talked about Eric. And I'm glad that's how that was because that was what was appropriate. There's a lot of pain in a sudden loss like that. God is going to guide us in these things, and I think it's important in these times that we keep very attentive to the needs that are going to be coming because the world, as it must, is unraveling. There is no possible way that we can return to a world led with with our King and Savior before us and God with us, and there's no way that we can do that in the current structure. I'm... You've heard that enough from me, and I'm, well, not enough. You're going to hear it a lot more, but at least tonight. That's just a simple fact. When you have something so deeply corrupted that you've lost the humanity within the system, we have to reclaim that humanity, and that's going to happen from us. And that's, again, we go back to Matthew 24, 12. And because... Lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will become cold. Christ says that, but it's not something he wants. It's something he states. You know, it's an easy time right now when people have looked towards the idols of President Trump, President Xi, President Putin. I just want to point out something again, if I had it already tonight, but President Putin is president for life. President Xi is president for life. Again, that's not a president. That's a dictator. And so I've said many times that this is a war between elites, an extremist faction and a moderate faction. And regardless of who they are, it isn't that we are trying to judge them, but they, like all those that went before them and all those that are around them, have to be looked at equally within the eye of justice for us to dispel the idolatries and to reclaim the importance of being human, to not allow the lawlessness to continue, and to also be able as fellow brother to brother return love to to ourselves. Leaders like to divide that because they want the love falling on them. And that's a real diversion at this point in time that we need love between ourselves because all of these leaders in one way or another, at some point or another, 
were part of deeds that probably led to some of what we're dealing with now. That's just truth. When you're dealing with billionaire class peoples, they didn't get there by being kind. We're not an evil people. We are led by various aspects of people that either have egos the size of a freight train or they're maniacal freaks like George Soros. And for some reason, we keep migrating to allowing or accepting those to lead us. But when we get down to the simplicity of our lives and the importance of one another, we have to remember the value of the love between each other and the respect we have to maintain for one another in the midst of all this craziness. The death rates are going to be difficult to tag to COVID and to the injections. But in the end, it is sadly, from the elite's point of view, that's almost a comic point of view that people were willfully led to the slaughter by their own hand. That's, in other words, saying we were able to make them commit suicide. So we have a lot of praying to do for souls. A lot of praying to Father for healing. And a lot of praying to Father for justice. That's something that we all need. And probably the biggest word of it all tonight is accountability. So back to Eric. I don't know what compelled him to do that. I really do pray for him. Because it was a, a very sad event. I tend to believe that he was a, he was, surprisingly, he was very much, very well read in scripture. He carried a Bible with him. But whatever pushed him to that point, something got hold of him and took him away. I have to believe to a certain degree that there's mercy by Father for that. And I, I'm not going to cast that out to say that he went right to the lake of fire or something. That's just not the way I am. And there's going to be many in this process that have made bad decisions in this era now. And it's important that we pray for them and that we can make some appeals to Father to have mercy. I think that's important. We're not looking to see the innocent punished or the victims punished those that are really engineering this thing, that's a different story. And I don't know that punished is the right term, but justice is, and whatever that looks like that Father brings, then that's what needs to happen. But that's a few pay grades above me. I'm just more, at this point, giving a lot of thought to where we are as a nation and how these Folks have been manipulated something to such a degree that we're going to be dealing with this loss for a long time. And the damage that they've done is not going to go away quickly. It's literally going to be generations. And we're going to have to deal with that. And we have to grow with that. And we're going to have to find reconciliation with how we stand in our positions of faith to help reach across the aisle, to help heal and hopefully in the process find that gift 
of overcoming the problems with the wisdom of Father. And it probably at the very core of that most of the time will be forgiveness. Let us pray. Jesus, I just ask you to join us tonight to be with us. And we thank you, Jesus, for all that you have sacrificed for us. You've walked among the flesh. And if there's any wisdom to be gained as you do have to pass on to us, it would be a great gift as we face some very big challenges ahead in a humanity that has been divided to, to a large degree. The increase in lawlessness, as you had warned, has left many cold to love. So we pray tonight, Lord, that you can help us reinvigorate that love, that we can build the bridges that we need to build, that we can pray for those that need to be prayed for, and we can find them, and that we can bring healing to this world. You've said that we can do greater works than you, and I have no doubt that we can. Sometimes we need a little nudge and we need a little direction of how to get there. And so I prayers tonight go to that, that we can become the healers, the bridge builders, that we can step to another path, a path, a higher path, so to speak, to stay away from this noise and confusion, this division, division, divisiveness, that we can step aside from the politics and the political games of power grabs, even though it's tempting because there seems to be this fight of good versus bad and good versus evil. But we know that the only true fight that's going on of any substance and of any importance is that between Father and Satan. And we know who's going to win that. So help us keep our path clear, Jesus. Help us walk this path with strength and courage. Help us walk this path with empathy. Let us know those lines between feeding with fish and bread and flipping tables. And let us not forget our humanity. There's a lot of victims out here that we would like to say could have done better but that's not for us to say. There's a lot of victims out here of a system that has preyed upon them as vicious hunters prey, who have enjoyed toying with their prey and watching the suffering and building the suffering and doing it in such a way that it's hard sometimes to see what's actually being done until you see the after effects of their hand. Let us not forget that. We're not bad people. We're flawed. We sin. And we repent. And we repent with open heart. But we truly do love. And I think love is at the core of who we are. So let our prayers be heard this evening. Father, let our prayers be heard that we want to raise that that vibration of love, that power of love across this world to bring us together and to start seeing ourselves as humans, not as political class, 
or whatever else divides us and to cast aside the the unwillingness to be accountable and instead start living a life of accountability and truth. And for my own personal tonight, two things, Lord. One, my prayer is always with Eric. And two, for Bard's Nation, a thank you for the birth yesterday that was brought to this world of Armad Teddy and his family, Bear, who has reminded us of the great new hope that's coming. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, let's just keep a level head. I would just encourage us to continue to dig at the truth, keep our eyes focused always on Christ. Don't get swayed by the political promises and the political theatrics. There's going to be a lot more of them. There's going to be a lot of excitement about white hats and the big war and the winning of the white hats and all this nonsense. We follow Christ. I don't follow a president. I don't follow a politician, a lawyer, a corporate head. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and we'll be just fine. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep our prayers up, patriots. Use that time in prayer to really get close with Father. Build that conversation with Jesus. Invite him to sit at the table. Invite him for a cup of coffee. Walk with him in the garden. I don't say that lightly or flippantly. It's very real. God is with us and he'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But it's such a blessing and such an unbelievable badge of honor to know that we're here in this time and this place for such a time as this. And for that to be, that means Father has to trust us. So we have a mission to do. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose.
sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Something to find.